funny to begin with, but I appreciated it, and so that's what I titled it, because uh, people like sermon series on Revelation. Like, they, they just, they gets people excited. I think uh, my, my grandparents go to First Baptist Dallas. I think Robert Jeffers does a sermon series on Revelation every other year, like, because people, people get excited about Revelation sermon series, and so that's what this one's about, only uh, this sermon series is about the Bible, and so uh, what's called special revelation, uh, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. And so, uh, so this is a series on revelation, just not on the book of Revelation. Just it's on uh, God's special revelation of Himself to us in Scripture, and that's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks, uh, beginning this morning in Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, beginning in verse sixteen. Peter says this, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God, the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for us. We'll get into the word this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that your word is powerful, God, that that through your word you speak to our lives, you speak to our hearts, God, you you communicate to us from Scripture, God. I pray this morning that we would have ears to hear what you're saying to us from the word of God and hearts that are ready to apply it. And God, I pray you would give us an excitement about Scripture, God, that you would well up within us a a passion for knowing your word and for, for applying it to our lives. God, I pray that as we do, as we study your word, as we talk about your word this morning, God, I pray that you would mold us and shape us in the image of Jesus. God, that we would leave here better than when we came because of our time in the word. We love you and praise you, and it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. One of our values here at Freedom Fellowship is apply the scriptures. And that sounds like a good principle for a church to to communicate, right? That we, we want to study and apply the word of God, right? That sounds like a good thing that a church would say. Most of us would be, uh, would, would affirm that we want a church that wants to apply the scriptures, wants to study and apply the word of God. And most of us would probably be extremely skeptical of a church that says they don't want to, right? That, that says they don't have uh, any desire to, to apply or study the word of God. Uh, and so it's a good thing it's not, uh, uh, that a church would want to be able to study and apply the word of God. But it, there's a disconnect for most of us between what we want the church as an organization to do and say and what we actually do in our lives. Uh, just this year, the, uh, the American Bible Society uh, produced statistics related to Bible reading uh, over the last uh, 12 months. And what they found was that the percentage of Americans who read the Bible at least three times over the last year in 2021 was only 39% of Americans, down from 50% of Americans before the pandemic. 
They also found that only 10% of Americans regularly read the Bible. Like, I have a regular habit of reading Scripture. And keep in mind, these are all self-reported statistics, and people tend to make themselves look a little bit better than they actually are on these statistics. So these numbers are probably high to begin with, right? Uh, and on top of that, the most alarming thing is that regardless of the frequency of reading, Bible reading in general has been down over the past few years. And so wh whatever the group is, whether it's reading the Bible every day or reading the Bible three or four times a week or once a week or once a month or a couple times a year, whatever the frequency is, all of those groups of people, the numbers are down. The only group that's grown is the number of people who never read the Bible. That's the only group that has grown in percentage and numbers over the last few years. Every frequency, every group is decreasing, which means everybody is kind of shifting down in their Bible reading towards not reading it at all. And that may be that people are tired of looking better than they actually are in these statistics and they're being a little more honest, or more likely people are drifting away from reading the word of God. There's this disconnect between what we want the church to do and say, which is that we want to study the Bible, we want to know it, and we want to apply it to our lives, and what we actually do. Playing the odds, most of us do not read the word of God on a regular basis. Most of us don't study it, most of us don't apply it. In short, the Word of God is just not that important for most of us. And maybe you find yourself in that group this morning. You think, you know, I don't, I don't read the Bible very regularly. I, don't, I, I hardly dust it off. And maybe you're, you're in that group because you see the Bible as a really good set of stories with some good morals behind them, but nothing more. Or maybe you see the Bible as a rule book, right? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth, right? And you... You, you see the Bible as a rule book, and, and who wants to read a rule book? Right? Or maybe you uh, aren't really sure where to start, or you think the Bible is complicated and can't understand it, or, or you're just busy and don't, don't have the time to do it, or, or you just don't think it has any relevance to your life. But for whatever reason, most of us in here playing the odds probably don't spend any time, a regular amount of time, in the Word of God. Which means that we don't have it as a priority. It means we don't have it as something that we, we think that we need to do. There's this disconnect, as I said, between what we want the church to do and what we actually do in our lives. Second Timothy and Second Peter are both very similar books. Second Timothy uh, is, is what our small groups are going through. They'll wrap that up in the next couple weeks. And, and, they're, uh, and they're talking about, uh, in Second Peter, uh, Peter is writing, uh, excuse me, Timothy, try this again, Paul and 2 Timothy, a lot of names here, Paul and 2 Timothy is writing to his protege, Timothy, uh, and, and Paul is about to die. He knows that, and so he's writing this last letter to his protege, a pastor named Timothy. Uh, and 2 Peter, Peter knows that he's about to die, and he's writing this letter to a group of believers. And so both letters can be seen as kind of the last words, the last letter uh, of, of both of these apostles. And both of them, the thing that's on their mind for Paul and Peter, the thing that's on their mind is the word of God. For, Timothy, uh, for, Peter, uh, for Paul and for Peter, both of them, the thing that they wanted to write about more than anything else 
was the word of God. Paul was concerned with, with the ministry of the word. He was really concerned with how Timothy and other pastors and preachers handle the word of God and applied the word of God to the people of God. Like he's really concerned with the ministry of the word. Peter also, in 2 Peter, his last letter, he fights against and combats false teaching. People who, who, who speak against the word of God, speak things that are untrue of God, and he instructs Christians on how to handle and think about and apply the word of God. So for both of them, the thing that, that mattered more than anything else, the thing that they were desperate to write about and think about and share on their deathbeds was the word of God. And the reason that scripture was important to them is the same reason that you and I should want to read and get into the word of God. We should read, study, and apply the word of God because it is God's revelation to us. We should study and apply the scriptures because it's God's revelation of himself to us. The, the question I want us to answer this morning is, what, how should I think about the scriptures? And, and what do I mean when I say that the Bible is God's revelation to us? So what we're going to see from 2 Peter this morning is three truths about scripture. The first one is this. The scripture is God's word written by human authors. Uh, a lot of us treat the Bible like Aesop's fables. Right? There are a lot of people that think the Bible is, again, like I said, just a good collection of stories with some great morals behind them. Like that, that's what the Bible is. It, it, you can read it. You can get a, a, a good lesson out of it. That's the Bible, Aesop's fables. But, but like Aesop's fables, a lot of people believe that this is just a creation of man. And this is something that we, that we just threw together. And in fact, there are a lot of people that believe that Scripture is just something that was cobbled together of uh, myths and legends that ancient writers put together to try to get people to, to live in a moral and righteous way. Right? There's a system of beliefs, of myths and legends that the ancient people put together just to, to, to give them answers to life's problems and to, to help them think about things that they couldn't explain. And that's all that Scripture is. Good stories, good morals, but ultimately myths and legends that, that have no bearing in reality. And maybe you're not as cynical about the Bible. Maybe you have a higher view of the Bible than that. But most people, when they think about the Bible, that's what they think of. It's a book of myths and legends that have no standing or bearing in reality. They have good points, good morals, but it's nothing more than that. But notice what Peter says about Scripture in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16. Peter says, we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So what Peter is talking about here specifically is one portion of scripture, which is the prophecy about the coming of Christ, that the return of Christ, that he's going to come one day. And Peter is talking specifically about that portion of scripture. And he says, when I told you about that, we didn't make it up. Right? We, didn't, we didn't create this out of our minds. This is a, an event that, the, that is prophesied in the Old Testament. Old Testament prophets looked forward to the return of Jesus. They looked forward to the day when Christ would come in the fullness of his glory and restore the world and make everything right. They, especially the prophecies of Daniel and Isaiah, they're looking forward to that day that, that the Lord, that Jesus was going to come. And, and in the New Testament, the, the New Testament apostles, Peter and Paul and and John and all of the others, they proclaimed the exact same thing. Jesus is coming. He, he's coming back again. 
They all repeated that same message over and over and over again. And what Peter says here is we didn't make it up. We, we didn't just throw together some myths and legends so that you guys will buy into this Christianity thing and you'll live a, a good, righteous life because we told you and made up a story that Jesus is going to come back. We didn't make it up. And I can tell you that we didn't make it up because God revealed it to us in a spectacular way. I know it's going to happen because God already showed us that it's going to happen. Peter begins to tell a story. Verse 17. For when he received honor, talking about Jesus, when Jesus received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain. What Peter's talking about here is a story that is repeated in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And it's a story about how Jesus took three of his disciples up to the top of a mountain. And once he got to the top of the mountain, he became dazzlingly glorious. Like his, his body shone, his clothes were whiter than anyone could bleach them, according to the text. He got radiantly glorious. And while he was up on the mountain, Elijah and Moses were there. They met with him. And there's this wonderful, beautiful display of the glory of Jesus. And while this is happening, God speaks on the top of the mountain, in the hearing of Peter and the other two disciples who are up there, God himself speaks and says, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so in that moment, those three disciples got to catch a glimpse at the glory of Christ, the one who's going to come and to restore the world in the fullness of his glory. In that moment, they were able to catch just a picture of what's going to happen, that Christ is going to return. And so Peter says, hey, we didn't make it up. We didn't say that, that Jesus is going to come back because it's just some good story that'll make you feel good. That's a good myth, a good legend that's going to impact the way you live. We told you that because God told us that. Like we told you that because we saw it with our eyes. God revealed to us on the top of that mountain that Christ in the fullness of his glory is going to come. And that's why Peter says at the beginning of verse 19, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. What Peter, what Peter means there is that Old Testament prophecy about the return of Christ, Peter says we are in alignment with that. Like we saw it and we're proclaiming the same thing. The Old Testament prophets, the New Testament apostles, they're all proclaiming the same event because God revealed the same event to all of us. God did the same thing to them that they did to us, revealing this future event. And we're all in perfect agreement that this is going to happen. And in light of that, and this is what Peter says in the rest of verse 19. Because the Old Testament prophets and the New Testament apostles are all in perfect alignment, because Peter witnessed the event and proclaimed it later, it says in verse 19, we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. Peter says it will be good for you to study, to think on, to dwell upon, and to apply the scriptures until Christ returns. That will be a good thing for you. And Peter doesn't say that it's going to be a good thing for you to think about, to dwell on, to read the scriptures, because it'll make you a better person. He doesn't say it'll be a good thing for you because that's what Christians should do, so you should get out your Bibles and read it and check that box. Peter doesn't say any of those things. He says you should do it. It'll be a good 
thing for you. Why? Verse 20. Because no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Why is it good for you to read and study and know and apply Scripture? Because it's the Word of God. Because the ultimate author of Scripture is not man, but God. Peter says there the same thing that he, he, what he said earlier in the passage, that we witnessed it. God told us of this event, and then we communicated it. So the ultimate one who's communicating, the one who's ultimately telling you these things, is not us, it's God. God is the one who revealed his plan to us, and then we communicated it to you. All of Scripture is the word of God. Peter goes on. He says that they were, uh, these men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Peter, I mean, in, in, in 2 Timothy, Paul says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all scripture is God-breathed, inspired by God. That means that all of scripture comes from God, that it is God's revelation of himself to us. This is what theologians call special revelation. You see, God reveals himself in a general way, creatively called general revelation, in, in the way that he interacts with the world, right? We can see glimpses of the power of God when we go to creation. Right? When you take a walk in nature, you can, you can catch glimpses of just how big God is. You can see glimpses of the character of God and the human conscience, that there's, there's a basic sense of morality that, that is deeply seared upon our, our minds and hearts. We can see just pieces of the character and the nature of God and the way that the, the universe is organized and designed. We get this general revelation of God. God has revealed himself in these general ways, but that's not going to get us very far. It only gives us glimpses at God, and it doesn't really tell us a lot about who God is and what he's doing in the world, but praise God that he has decided to reveal himself to us that he has decided to specifically, specially reveal himself, and he does so through his word. And he used human authors to do it. That's why Peter says that they, were, they, were, they spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. God impressed upon and used these human authors in order to communicate his word to us, in order, in order to reveal to us his character, his plan, his actions in the world. God revealed himself to us through the writings of these human authors. When I say that this is the word of God, I don't mean that God dictated every word of this to human scribes, right? It's not that God was like, all right, pull up a chair. All right, write this down. And then he, and then he told exactly word for word what everybody was supposed to write down in the Bible. That's not how God worked. Uh, on, there are some instances where God said, say this, but in the Old Testament prophets. But in most cases, what God did was he impressed upon them by the Holy Spirit. He gave them the idea of what to communicate. And then he protected their writing, their speaking, whatever it was. He protected it to make sure that it perfectly communicated exactly what he wanted to communicate. And that's why we have a word of God, a scripture of 66 books, over 40 authors, each page bearing a resemblance of the author. Right? We see their writing styles and their personalities coming out in all of the pages of scripture. But through all of it, there is one consistent message. No errors, no contradictions. It's because the same God who revealed himself to one author is the same God who revealed himself to another. 
The same God who revealed himself to one prophet is the same God who revealed himself to the apostles. And the same God that had the plans in the Old Testament is the same God who has those same plans in the New Testament. God is revealing little bits of himself, little bits of his plan, little bits of his actions and his character to all of the authors of the Old and the New Testament. We have in Scripture the perfect communication of God to us, exactly what he wanted us to know. This is God's special revelation of himself to us. When I was in college, I was on a campaign for student body president at A&M. And uh, a friend of mine in, in business school was running, and she asked if I would uh, come on as one of her uh, speech and writing managers. Um, so in charge of kind of all the, the written communication coming out of the campaign and all of the speeches that you had to go out and give uh, on campus. And so that was, my, uh, that was my job there as part of the campaign. Uh, and so what would happen was uh, my friend would come to me and say, I want to communicate this idea. And give me a general idea, a general platform, whatever it was that she wanted to communicate through an email or through a speech. And then I would be able to, with my writing style and my speaking style, write out a speech that, that matched my personality, my writing style, my speaking style, but communicated the idea that she gave me. And then the whole time I would bounce ideas back and forth of her. I would, I would keep relaying the ideas that I, that, that I wrote, and she would keep making tweaks and edits to perfectly communicate in the speech uh, and, or in the, in the emails or whatever it was that it would perfectly, perfectly communicate exactly what she wanted to communicate. That's not a perfect illustration, but it gets across the basic idea that God, like, just like in that case, those emails, those speeches were from her to the student body through me. The word of God is from God to us through the human authors. That's why we get glimpses of their personality. We get glimpses of their writing style. You have guys like Amos that are, that are wonderful writers. Luke, who's a, a highly talented historian. Paul, who's, who is very uh, intellectual. And some, even Peter says at the end of the book, some of his writings are confusing. Like you get, you get different guys with different personalities and different writing styles, different talents, and they all communicate the same truths from God because God revealed himself to them. They communicated the ideas, and God protected it to make sure that exactly what was written was exactly what he wanted to be written, that it perfectly communicated the idea that he wanted to communicate. And if we understood the divine origin of Scripture— I think we would read it more. If we really understood that this is the word of God, that the God who created the universe is revealing things to us about him, about his plan, about his character, about his actions, about what he wants for our lives. If we thought that the God who created everything was communicating to us from his word, we would be much more willing to pick it up and read it. That this is the God who, who spoke the universe into existence. And those same words with that same power is coming from these pages. If we really knew that these were the words of God, that this is God communicating to us, I think we would read it more. Now, don't hear this as a pastor who's trying to guilt you into reading the Bible more. I, I don't, don't hear this as me trying to get you to, to check a box by reading the Bible every day. That's not my goal for you. My goal for you is not that you'll feel bad and go home and start opening and reading the Bible. My goal for you is that you'll have such a high view of Scripture that you'll want to open it. That you'll have such a, a high view of these pages that you'll want to hear from God. That you can't go a day or two without opening this up and reading it and seeing what God has for you from it. This 
is God's word written by human authors. This is God communicating to you. What is he communicating? This is the second point of Scripture, the second truth that we're going to see. That Scripture is God's word by, written by humans, and Scripture is, uh, helps us find our place in God's story. I think a lot of us like to treat uh, Scripture like a rule book. That, that, that's what it is, and that's why we don't read it. We want to look at it and figure out what it is that we need to do. What, what is the rule that I'm trying to, to apply to my life? We read it like, like a self-help book or some kind of uh, of philosophy book that we can look at and we can directly apply, and that's what we're trying to to figure out. What is the thing that I have to do? What's the rule in here that God wants me to apply? But but notice in this in Second Peter, Peter is he flips back and forth between the idea of scripture and the and the idea of prophecy. Earlier in chapter one and verse uh, twelve, uh, he uses this idea of the truth that you have, right? This broad idea of the truth that you have. And then keeping that same idea, he rolls it into the passage we've read about prophecy. And then keeping that same idea, he rolls that into chapter 2 about false teachers, teachers who, who teach things that are untrue about God. And he keeps that same idea about the word all the way into chapter 3 when Peter calls uh, Paul's writings scripture. So throughout the book of Second Peter, Peter is going back and forth between scripture and prophecy the word of God and prophecy, like that idea, he just kind of seamlessly transitions back and forth in as if there's no difference in those two ideas to him. Scripture, prophecy, scripture, prophecy. And I think for most of us, when we think of the word of God, the idea that we would transition back and forth between is scripture and rules, scripture and rules. Like we would think of scripture and the things that I have to do, scripture and the checklist that the Bible gives for me. But when Peter thought of the word of God, he didn't see it as a rule book. When Peter thought of the word of God, he saw it as prophecy. He saw scripture as a story that God was revealing to us about what he did, about what he's doing, and about what he's going to do. That's what scripture is. It is a grand look at God's story. I want you to look at this, this line on the screen. Once we put a line on the screen. <laughs> I want you to look at this, this line on the screen. It's a wonderful graphic. This this is God's story, right? It doesn't have a beginning. It's somewhere off the end of the screen because God doesn't have a beginning. He, he is eternal. There was never a start to God, but there was a beginning. So at some point, the line comes across the screen, and this is when God created the universe. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and he made a perfect paradise with perfect people. And those people rebelled against God, rejected his rule as king and lord, and by that introduced sin and death into the world. And that's how we get the world that we see today. And throughout history, God has been working for the redemption and the reconciliation of the world. He has been working to save and redeem the people and the planet. He has been working to, to bring about redemption for the world. And he did that ultimately through his son, Jesus Christ. By his life, his death, and his resurrection. And then Jesus, once he was resurrected, he, he raised up, ascended to the right hand of the Father. And one day Jesus is going to come back to finish what he started. That he will come back to restore the world, to get rid of all evil and wickedness and brokenness. And to bring the world back into the harmony and perfection that it was designed to be. He's going to recreate the world into the perfect paradise that it was supposed to be. And those of us who place our faith in Jesus will live there with him for all of eternity. That is a brief 
glimpse of the story of God. And how do I know that that's what God is doing in the world? How do I know that that's the story that God is writing throughout the universe and throughout history? It's because God has revealed it to us in his word. God has told us that that's what he's doing. And when we read scripture, what we're doing is we are reading God's story, and it allows us to find our place in that story. I want you to, to notice, uh, I don't know where you are on the story. I, I just put it up there, for example. I had to put you somewhere. Uh, I want you to notice the size of that line, you, the, the, the size of this arrow. Honestly, that arrow is too big, but, uh, but I needed you to be able to see it. Uh, that's your life. That's your life story. And your life story is important, it's big, it's, 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 it's wonderful, but it, it is a small segment of an otherwise massive story that God is writing throughout the history of the world and throughout eternity. When we read scripture, what we get to do is we get to, to, to reorient our life and find our place back in the story of God. So many times, we think of our lives, and we think that we're the main characters, right? Like, our life is the biggest deal. We don't have a single memory that we're not in, right? We're in every scene, and so <laughs> we have to be the main character, right? And what we do when we get to read Scripture is we see that we're not the main character, and this isn't a story about us, but we do get to have a part in it. We do get to play a role in the story that God is making and playing out over the history and over eternity. When we read scripture, we see the story of God, and we get to see our, our place in it. And in order to really understand our place in the story, we have to understand the third truth of scripture. It's all about Jesus. All of scripture is about Jesus. In the, uh, in the Old Testament, it's all looking forward to Jesus. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, the, the first four books of the New Testament, they're about the works and the teachings and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And the epistles or the letters of the New Testament, they're all about Jesus and, and, and challenging Christians as individuals and as churches to live out the implications of their redemption in Jesus. And Revelation is looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ. Every single page of Scripture is all about Jesus. If all of Scripture is about the story of God. All of Scripture is telling the story of what God is doing in the world. And the story that God is playing out is a story of redemption and reconciliation. Then the star of the story is the Redeemer. All of Scripture is about the one who's going to bring about redemption and reconciliation to the world. That's why John, in John chapter 1, says Jesus is the Word. He is the one that is the perfect revelation of God to us. If you want to know what God's like, look to Jesus. If you want to know what God does, look to Jesus. If you want to know God's plan for the world, look to Jesus. Every page of Scripture is about Christ. And so as we read Scripture, we understand the story of God. We pick our eyes up. We lift up from where we are. and We begin to see exactly what God is doing in the world and see what he's doing through Jesus. And we, we begin to, to understand that the story isn't about us, that our life isn't about us. It's about Jesus. If we can tell the story of our lives and Jesus is not at the center, then we're missing the mark because Jesus is at the center of God's story. When we read Scripture, 
We are pulled towards Christ. When Peter, at the end of 2 Peter, when he, when he tells and challenges the Christians here in this setting, he doesn't tell them to read the Bible to become better people. When he challenges the Christians at the end of 2 Peter in chapter 3, he says this in verse 18. Grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When we read scripture, we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are beginning to understand and see exactly what God is doing in the world. We get a reminder of who Jesus is. We begin to have a clearer picture of the gospel and the glory of Jesus Christ. So as we read scripture, God is drawing us to Christ and we begin to be, he begins to shape and mold us in the image of Jesus in reflection of that truth. Don't read scripture as a, as a list of rules. Don't approach the Bible trying to figure out what you need to do. Approach scripture as a way to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus. And God, through that, will change your life. Scripture tells us and gives us a chance to find ourselves in the place, uh, find our place in God's story. And it is all about Jesus. It's a shame that as Americans, we have the greater access to the Word of God than anybody else in human history. And for so many of us, our Bibles collect dust on our shelves or sit unopened in apps on our phone. We cannot grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus without opening up the Word of God and hearing His revelation of Himself to us. If you want to see spiritual growth, if you want to see your, your, your walk with the Lord drastically improved, open up the Word of God and study it. See what it means for your life. Allow God to communicate to you through the pages of Scripture. If you're not really sure where to start, if, that, if that's the reason you're not reading, you don't know where to start in Scripture, then my advice for you would be to pick a book. The book of John is a great book. It's an easy one to read. It's a wonderful uh, illustration of, uh, of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. Re start with the book of John. Read a chapter a day. And just read through the book of John. And then when you finish John, pick another book. And then when you finish that, pick another book. And when you finish that, pick another book. And continue to read and, and study and apply Scripture. Hearing from God. Seeing his revelation of himself to you. If, you're, if you think the Bible is confusing and that's what's keeping you from reading Scripture, you're not meant to just read it alone. Like bring up your questions and your, the things that confuse you to the other believers around you. I love talking about the Bible. We talk about the Bible in our small groups. And so if you are confused by Scripture, if there's anything that you, you don't understand, bring up your questions to me. Bring up your questions in your small groups and allow the church, the people around you, your fellow believers to help you understand the Bible that you're reading. But when our conversations are filled with the word of God, then we will be a people who are reminded continually about our place in God's story. And we'll be reminded once again that Jesus is at the center. We'll be reminded that if, if you're here this morning and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then your place in God's story is as a sinner who Christ came to redeem. And what God is calling for you to do is to place your trust and your hope in Jesus and to receive the salvation that he offers.
If you're a follower of Jesus, then your place in the story now is as a follower of Jesus, one who has been redeemed and set free and can now live a life that brings glory and honor to Christ for now and for all of eternity, knowing that one day Christ is going to come back and restore all things and make it right. And that's the day that we are eagerly looking forward to as we open up and study and apply the scriptures. We see the story play out, and we find ourselves back in it, and we reorient our lives, and ultimately we focus back on Jesus. Some of you this morning need to place your faith in Jesus for the very first time. In just a second, I'm going to pray, and we're going to sing. If that's you, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, then every page of this book is calling out to you to trust in Christ for salvation. That's God's plan for you. That's God's plan for your life. That's what God wants for you is to place your faith and hope and trust in Jesus. So in just a second, while we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I would love for you to come up here. I'd love to pray with you and talk with you after the service about what it means to follow Jesus. If you don't want to come up here, that's fine. Come grab me after the service. But don't leave here this morning without knowing the faith and the hope and the trust in Jesus and knowing what God's plan is for your life. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you that you have communicated and revealed your plan, your character, your nature to us. God, you have made it known to us who you are and what you're like and what you're doing. God, I pray that we would be a people that would long to study your word, God, that, that it would be true of us, that our value, the thing that we, we long to have happen here in this church is that we would be a people who apply the scriptures, who study it, who read it, and don't just study it and read it to know it, but study it and read it to, to look at Jesus and allow that to change everything about us. I pray we would be a people who are molded and shaped in the image of Jesus because of our time in the word together, because of our time in the world, uh, time in the word as individuals. I pray for anybody here this morning who has never placed their faith and trust in Jesus, anybody here this morning who does not know where they fit in God's story, who are people here who, who are still the, the main characters in their life and do not know that they have the opportunity to enter into what God is doing in the world, to receive the salvation that he has made available through Jesus and to participate in his story for all of eternity. I pray for anyone here that does not know Jesus, God, that this morning would be the morning that they place their faith and their hope and their trust in him. Father, I pray that we as a church would long for your word, that our conversations will be filled with scripture that the advice that we give would be rooted in your revelation of yourself to us. Father, we love you and praise you. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Again, if that's you and you want